Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code TSFS. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I I say, look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you thinking about getting divorced? Most people wait until after the holidays. Wrong! Dana says it's time to start planning now. Go to dwittenlaw.com to make your appointment today. Natasha, we're ready. Natasha, we continue our podcast series on episode, I believe this is our ninth episode. I know. I love how we said, okay, we're going to do a limited eight-part series, and then we just sort of like... We're not even going to bring up that we passed eight. We're just going to keep going. Story of our lives. We have, we have so much to talk about. So many upcoming guests that we're excited that we're going to be announcing. I can't wait for that. Um, but today we're talking, I love this topic because obviously very close to my heart. It's happened to me. But we're talking our pregnancy journeys, miscarriages, OBGYNs, tips and tricks that kind of helped us get pregnant, stay pregnant with a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And basically just the journey of becoming a mom. I love this yeah. topic. It's all about the vagina today. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I had all- to say that because the girls are home from school and they're in the other room because we're getting the basement worked on. So they're stuck up here and I just have to embarrass them every chance <laughs> I get. 
You can see Sophie in the background. Vagina, vagina, vagina. <laughs> well, poor Sophie is going to get the whole tutorial, the whole thing. You know what? That's the power of your womanhood. Own it. it know how true. to use it. Um, well, you want to start where we usually start every week with the high and low of the week? Yeah, we missed it last week. Why don't you go first? I want to hear what's going on with you. My high is I'm going to San Francisco for Thanksgiving. And um, I am visiting a college friend that I've not seen in years. She and her wife live there. They have three children of their own. They have their own pregnancy journey. And my best friend from high school, her sister lives in San Fran. So I'm having Thanksgiving with them. It's the, believe it or not, all these years, I have always gone to my mom's or dance, like always been with family. I think I missed one Thanksgiving in college when I was abroad. This is the second Thanksgiving ever I've been away from my mom or like my mother-in-law. So it feels, this sounds strange, but I feel very adult. I don't know. Does that make any sense to anyone? I don't know. <laughs> it does. It does. What Are you getting like the guilt over not coming? Because I'm like you. I, I've only missed a couple and that was because I was at an in-law's house. Like that's it. There is no way my mom would let me out of Thanksgiving except maybe an in-law. Does yes. your mom guilt you? Um, no, she's pretty good. And actually it's funny. She's, she's more a guilter of Christmas. Like she's not so big into Thanksgiving. So she doesn't care so much about that one. But yes, I feel a lot of guilt because we're supposed to be with my mother-in-law and I do, my mother-in-law is an amazing mother-in-law and never would say anything, but I do think she was kind of hoping, um, that we would come home for Thanksgiving. So I, yes, I have absolute guilt. Um, 100 percent um so anyway that was my high for the week and my low for the week what was my low you know what um i'm curious about if this happens to you um nothing was particularly long wrong but i was in a really negative rut this week so just being negative about my career my life um everything like and, and I think part of it is I'm battling a cold. So when I'm sick, I'm a little bit more dramatic. But I kept thinking, it was just like two or three days in a row where it was nothing was wrong. And I'm like, you should be, you shouldn't be feeling so negative towards other people and, you know, the world. And sometimes I'll get in this like, oh, you know, the world. And, and I get impacted by news stories, you know, like here in LA, there was a news story of a guy who ran into 25 sheriff's recruits and he was released oh, yeah. from custody, like after he was arrested. And I was so infuriated. So I don't know, I need to probably go back to therapy to get ways to like shift out of why am I taking on all that? You know, anyway, I don't know if that No, I totally get like that. And you're absolutely like, don't minimize the, if you're sick, like it weighs on you emotionally. That happens. I tell the girls this all the time because whenever they get sick or like how I was sick last week, I always have emotional breakdowns. Like it wears you down physically, which then wears you down emotionally. You're not getting as much sleep. So yeah, no, I totally get like that. And sometimes I just have bad mom ruts. Yes. Like I always feel like, I'm failing one kid or not getting enough stuff done around the house or not working hard enough with our stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. Just being a mom. Mom rut. Mom rut. So there's my high and low. What about you? So I was giving some thought about my high and my low. And I feel like I feel like I complain about this poor dog too much. You know, she's I feel like I'm gonna look back at all these podcasts and she's gonna be the low for like really? 90% of them. She's ashamed right now on the ground, but I have a good June story. June, our 
like one and a half year old boxer. So she has like major separation anxiety. Whenever I leave the house, I usually have to bring her with me, but you know, you can't, she's a 60 pound dog. I can't take her to target or with me everywhere. So I've been struggling with where to leave her because we had a big crate that we were putting her in, but she gets so crazy that she actually, um, we came home the other day and she was bleeding on top of her nose from trying to push through like the wire uh, grates on the crate and she scrapes it across the floor. She bangs it into walls like she loses her mind. So we started like puppy proofing the living area where I'm at now so we could just leave her out. She always figures out something, but it was going well the last few times. Well, I took the girls out to Target over the weekend and we came home and we left June out. Like, you know, I puppy proof, but she was in the living area, opened the front door and there was smoke in the house, like legit smoke. What? And it had that, you know, the smell of burning plastic, yes. Yep. like that distinct <clears throat> smell. It smelled of that. So we're like, oh my God, what, what's burning down? What did she do? Turns out I bought a new um, coffee maker. I got a cute little Keurig and the old one, I had set it down on the stove. Like we have an electric stove with the knobs at the back. Yep. I just like moved it over, not even thinking. Well, she likes to jump on the counters to look for food. And I guess she jumped up, knocked the coffee maker perfectly into the stove knob, turned the stove on high and melted the whole plastic bottom of the coffee maker. Like, oh. thank God we only were at Target for a few hours. If we had been out longer, the dog would have burned the house down. Oh, my God. Insane. I know, right? She is, oh, God, she's such a pain in the butt. She's the snuggliest, sweetest, best family dog, but she's going to burn down the house. Oh, I literally don't know what to do with her. This is why, like, it's so funny. I mean, because people everywhere now have pets. Like, I just, I don't miss, like, having a pet. Like, I I, 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 ne I wish no harm on animals, but I just, I've never been a huge animal lover. And I love not having a pet because it is it is always something. It's always something. It's always something. And it's like, you know, when Harry's not here, when he's with his dad, I'm like, that's my downtime. You know, the girls are older. They can entertain themselves. But it's not. I have another toddler and it's a dog. I know. And there are a lot of work. Such a handful. How did you guys just so much work? How'd you end up with a boxer? It's such a high energy dog. Like I would get a lethargic oh if I were getting a dog. I know. I always I well, I told the girls, I was like, I want a pug. I just want a fat, cute pug that just like sleeps there and snores and does absolutely nothing. But we my sister is the one to blame. She had a boxer years ago, and then my mom got two. Well, actually, my sister got two. Couldn't take care of them. Gave them to my mom. So we had all these boxers in the family, and they really are just the funniest dogs on earth. Like, they're hilarious. So the girls fell in love with the breed because they wanted a dog that they knew would snuggle with them. And a boxer will spoon you any chance it gets. So, I mean, I said yes. It was right after we didn't get Skittles and it was just, you know, emotional manipulation that I would have said yes to absolutely anything they asked me for. I know. Oh. I know. Okay, so that's So, yeah, the dog almost burned down the house. That's the low. That's a low, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a low. That's a bummer. I guess my high would be, you know, it wasn't kind of like you said, not one thing in particular, but in a good way. It was just 
like really nice bonding moments between the girls and Harry over the weekend. Like I posted a video this morning of where they were all covered in blankets pretending to be worms, which don't even ask me to explain that because I can't. But it was the type of thing. And, you know, maybe once you have like a sibling for KJ, then you'll totally know what I'm talking about. There are these moments where you see your kids like siblings interact and they just have such a pure, sweet love for each other Aww. that it just like warms your heart. You're like, oh, I made all of you and you love each other. I did something good here. So it's just a lot of sweet moments of them all isn't together. That awesome. And they'll have each other forever. It's just the best. It's for the, better or worse. For better or worse. <laughs> and of course, there'll be better times and worse, of course. But it's yeah. I love that sibling bond. Yes. That's why I want I know. siblings I was, KJ. I know. That's why we need to get you pregnant. Working on it. Thanks to you. I'm got- telling you. It's 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 now my goal, you know, before the end of the year to get oh, you knocked up. Me too. Me too. Um, all right. So let's start with, you know, both of us have had miscarriages, which is kind of why we wanted to do this topic because it is something, oh, it's a club that you don't want a woman to ever be a part of. It's so painful. And yet so many women, oh my God, so many women have miscarriages. I'm sure you, not only you've had one, you've known girlfriends. I've had so many girlfriends that have had just wild pregnancy stories. Um, So I want you to tell your miscarriage story and how that's, I guess, shaped you. Do you still think about it? Um, And, you know, overall, because I know you've always wanted to be a mom, um, just your journey of of having your kids. You know, the, I feel like the thing about miscarriages, you know, you get a lot of good advice as a young woman, like you get advice about what it's going to be like to be a mother, you get advice about marriage, but at least for me, nobody talks to you about the gravity of what a miscarriage is actually like, you know, there's all those, when it, when it happened to me, it was um, right before I was pregnant with Harry, literally weeks before, um, and, you know, I think it's mourning the loss of it, but it's it's all that excitement that goes into when you think you're pregnant, you know, you start to get like the little twinges or the little cramps or, you know, you feel feverish or you get all these little signs when you're hoping you're pregnant. And then you finally get the test that, you know, shows up positive and there's all that just gosh, indescribable elatement when you see that positive on the pregnancy test. Yeah. And to then have it just disappear for no rhyme or reason. I remember I was, um, gosh, I wasn't, my miscarriage, I wasn't as far as long as like you were when you had yours. I think I was only like six weeks, maybe like we had just found out And I remember we went to the beach all together and I started having like spotting when then the spotting got heavier and it happened while we were on vacation. And it was, it's like, I talked to my doctor over the phone and he said, you know, you're probably miscarrying, you know, some spotting is normal, but it was that moment where you're not quite sure. And I don't know. It's so hard to put into words, you know, one minute you've got, you know, your hand on your belly and you're imagining this little life that, you know, is about to grow inside of you. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? You're, you know, sharing that with your partner. And then all of a sudden it's, is it even there anymore? You know, because you can't just like run in and get an ultrasound. You don't always know right away. I had to wait 
a good week and a half before we got back from vacation and went into the doctor's office to see there was, you know, no heartbeat anymore. And it's just, I feel like nobody really prepares you for the legitimate grief that you feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I think it's either one in four or one in five women experience a miscarriage. It's super common um, because I can remember when the first pregnancy that I had, which was the molar miscarriage pregnancy, you know, my OBGYN just saying, you know, one in four people will have a miscarriage, you know, Um, again, very like optimistic about it, but um, you're, it it is such an interesting feeling because you're so, um, there's so much invested in this little, it's literally the size of like a lima bean with a heartbeat. Oh, not even then, like a poppy seed (laughs) at, you know, six weeks. Yeah. Don't you love how they give you the different nuts and beans that (laughs) help you imagine your baby? It's so ridiculous. And so, okay. So you miscarry, you find this out, then, um, Okay, what how is it what was your like emotional grieving process with Harry's dad? Like what how were you guys? It was awful because you know this was his first pregnancy, his first child and the thing about Harry's dad is he's was kind of one of those rare men that actually was so excited to have kids, like just wanted a family. Um so man, he was so excited when we found out we were pregnant and then to have it just go away. Um, you know, he was in what I remember that time is he was incredibly sweet and supportive of me going through that. But um, it was, I don't know, like, I just, I really just kind of went with, with, I was very withdrawn, like, I didn't really want to talk about it. It was kind of just a, well, that's it. It's over. Mm. You know, we hadn't told a lot of people. So it's not like I had to go and really talk about it. You know, the girls didn't know or anything like that. So I just, I just kind of buried it down that, okay, that's so weird. One minute we're having a kid and the next it's over. We're not, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is, and I don't know if this is good advice or bad advice, but I remember my girlfriend at the time told me because all I, we wanted to do was like, okay, let's try again. And she actually said, and I need to look in to see like the the truth to this or the physiological reasons, but she said that you're your most fertile right after you have a miscarriage, like because your your womb is this hospitable environment, like you have the thickest lining that you wouldn't normally have. Um, so we tried like right away and I didn't have a period in between miscarrying and getting pregnant again. Like, wow, it was I miscarried, right? You know, I was only six weeks. So it was maybe a week after my regular period would have been due. And two weeks later, I ovulated again and we tried and I was pregnant. That was it. Now, I will say whether that's true or not. I mean, it worked for me. I did get yelled at by one of the OBs in my clinic. Um, He wasn't my regular one, but you know how sometimes you get one of the other ones. And he was like, no, you need to wait the three or four months, you know, for your body to reset itself. But I don't know if that's actually true or not, but he did yell at me for that. But yeah, so we were pregnant right away. So it's just a whole nother roller coaster. You know, it was up and down and, and up again, but but you know, like right after you have a miscarriage and then you do get pregnant, that fear of 
is it going to happen again? Is it happening now? Like it's, it's, it's torturous. It's torturous. I mean, that's the only part like I'm nervous about being pregnant again is just the, the mental part of it. You know, my story, I think you've heard it, but Dan and I got married in 2019. Two weeks later, we found out we were pregnant. Um, and it's interesting, like looking back, I never, I never felt like good. I never felt bad. Like I never got morning sickness with KJ. Mm-hmm. One of the signs they tell you that's been studied, that's a healthy pregnancy is morning sickness. Morning sickness is actually a very good sign that you're having a healthy pregnancy. And with KJ, I was like, oh my God. I mean, I, I literally felt like I was on a boat. Like I, it was just, unless I was laying down and I got the motion bands, which worked like a charm. I mean, I couldn't eat. I never threw up, but I just was like, oh my God, I, I never felt like that. You know, I was definitely motion sick. So with the first baby, um, you know, I was, and I was very cocky about it. I thought, oh, we got pregnant the first time. I'm going to knock out all these kids that I want. It's going to be so easy. What are people talking about? And what was really wild with mine is the first eight weeks everything was fine. Everything looked fine. There was a heartbeat. There was a fetus. Like we went in, the blood work was fine. We did genetic testing. Oh, you got past the eight week part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> eight oh, weeks. Gosh. Genetic testing came back. There was nothing picked up that was abnormal. So we went in for, and I was so thinking that everything was great. You know, at the 12 week mark, because I was over 35, they send you to a maternal fetal medicine OBG just to make sure everything is great. So I even delayed that for a week because I was like, oh, things are fine. Like, I'll just go. So the 13th week, uh, it was like the 13th or even maybe the 14th, I went. And um, the woman that gave us the sonogram, which is always a telling moment, was the minute she started the sonogram, she was like dead silent. It was just like silence in the room. Because obviously she knew what was happening, right? But I'm seeing this fetus. So I'm like, oh my God, they're moving, they're kicking. Like you could see feet, you could see. She never said anything. And she just said, I I just have to, I'm going to go get the doctor. The doctor will be in, I'll, you know, and we'll be right back. Thanks. And, you know, lots of times, like if things are good, they go, oh, you know, here are the pictures. They're like printing out the, there were, there were no pictures. So the doctor came in, she, she's, I absolutely adore her. I, I want her to be on, um, this podcast, Dr. Kelly Orzakowski, who's in Virginia, I highly recommend her. If you are high risk, she is like beyond, beyond fabulous. She came in and she was just like, there wasn't even really a high. She was just like, I have to just be honest with you guys. You're having a molar pregnancy and your baby is not going to live. I mean, Uh, you know, you can't even believe it. You're like, okay, okay. Um, and there but was, wait, I'm not from what is a molar pregnancy? So a molar pregnancy is when two sperm fertilize one egg. So the the baby gets a double set of chromosomes. And even if they were in in very rare cases, sometimes they can a child can be born, but they're very deformed. Like they may not have eyes. They might not have, and they don't live. Uh, it's very proven and and um, documented, they only might live like a day or two and then they die. Their lungs never develop. Like his, there was all kinds of fluid around his heart. And so they said, basically at some point, he's probably going to die in utero. And he did. Oh my like, gosh, oh, we, Sarah. Oh my God. It was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> so, I didn't know that much about your story. I knew you had a molar pregnancy, but I had no idea you were that far along or oh, that's... yeah. That's incredibly traumatizing. We had the DNC at 15 weeks. So, and then of course they did the testing to 
confirm it was a molar pregnancy and also knew it was a boy. And oh my God, it was just such an emotional wreck. I mean, and and the craziest part about my story is like you were saying with miscarriages, lots of times I've even heard they, a lot of people say, if you have a miscarriage, you can try 30 days later. Doctors have said, I feel like my OBGYN even said that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we did. But, <laughs> yeah. But I, so you had, hold on, wait, before you move on, yeah. you had a full like two week period between when you went in and found out before you actually had the DNC and, and miscarried. Yes. Because what were those two weeks like? Oh, I mean, I you mean, basically just had to sit around and, and wait for it to happen. We, no, they were they were giving us the option of a medical abortion, of basically saying that you should terminate Ugh. this pregnancy for your own safety. Because what happens, and this ended up happening to me, the all these moles and cysts grow in your ovaries and placenta. Okay, so like they're growing mm-hmm. while the fetus is growing because everything is chromosomally messed up. They have to do a DNC, scrape out all those cells. And in rare cases, if they don't get all those cells, they can grow back they can hemorrhage and you can need rounds of methotrexate shots, which are a form of chemo. I didn't even know this could happen. And by the way, this oh, is very- Oh my gosh. This is very rare. Okay. This is very, very rare. Like both of my OBGs have been practicing for almost 20 years and they were like, you're the only person that is, this is like, lots of women have molar pregnancies, but usually they remove the DNC, your blood, your HCG levels go down and- you maybe you have one methotrexate shot and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe six months later you can try for a baby. My HCG levels after the first DNC started to go down, but then they went up. So they knew the mole was still there. And I never stopped. Oh my gosh. I never stopped bleeding. Like after the miscarriage, like I just kept, not a lot, but like I kept bleeding. So Anyhow, emotionally, we were a disaster. Thankfully, we already went to therapy. And the the hardest part was Dan, our cousin on Dan's side was getting married that weekend. So we found out on a Thursday. We had to fly to Michigan on a Friday to go to this wedding. And of course, we wanted to be happy and celebrate them. So... You know, people, but people knew that we were pregnant. So they were like, how's the pregnancy going? And I was just like, oh my gosh, Sarah. We're not pregnant. It was, oh my God, Natasha, when I tell you it was so draining. I I cannot even, and he passed that weekend. I never had any bleeding, but I had diarrhea. So I knew, and like stomach pain. So I knew something Uh was going on. But I was very skeptical at first of my, of Dr. Kelly, because I was like, I don't know. Is she telling me the truth? Like all kinds of crazy thoughts. Are they trying to just like abort this child for medical research? I mean, I was like so out of it. So I wanted a second opinion. So Monday when we got back, Monday afternoon, I went for a second opinion and the woman immediately was like, there's no heartbeat. Like he's he's passed. Like you are definitely having a molar pregnancy. And you know, exactly what Dr. Kelly told me, you're going to have to now, because he had passed, you're definitely going to have to have a, re- a a DNC, which is what happened right. like five days later or something like that. So um, it was awful. And then our case, of course, we my the mole grew back. I woke up one morning, started hemorrhaging. You know, if you're uh. having a hemorrhage, it's like you leave your kitchen faucet on and there's just like this steady stream of blood coming out. I was like, holy shit, I'm having a hemorrhage called 911 got there and i oh. mean it was 
just by the grace of God, Dr. Kelly happened to be in that day in the hospital because it's a very specialized procedure to do a second DNC. And you're not supposed to have a second DNC so close to the other one because you want your uterus, the lining, everything to heal because it's been scraped. But of course, I was bleeding out, so they had to. By the grace of God, she was in the hospital that day. And she, all I remember before they put me out was she was like, we're going to do everything we can to save your uterus. But if we can't stop the bleeding, we may have to give you a hysterectomy. And, you know, you have to sign the paperwork there. And Dan was there. You have to sign off the paperwork that they can do what they have to do to save your life. It was, what? (sighs) It was when I emotionally. I had no idea. I had no idea you went through it, all of that to that extent. Oh my gosh, I'm oh my so God. sorry. It was brutal. And then like I get emotional about it because it's just like thinking about all that. And then we had to wait six months to try again because I had to do blood tests, methotrexate shots. It was awful. <laughs> I don't want to just so, I don't want to discourage no. from trying to have a baby. I mean, my gosh, but so so you they put you under and obviously they were able to save your uterus. But when you woke up, were you like coherent enough that that was the first thing you wanted to know? I was coherent enough. And what did they say? Um, they, I can't imagine being put under and that question hanging in the balance. I like I can't even imagine what you and Dan went through. Oh, it was it was like out of body. It was you just couldn't even believe that it was happening. Um, yeah, they. I came to and they said everything went really well. And we did save your uterus. We had to give you two blood transfusions, pints of blood. So then I also knew they were like, they were like four or five months later, you're going to have to go for hepatitis tests, HIV AIDS tests. Oh it was, my gosh. It was crazy. It was crazy. And like what gets you through? therapy uh, amazing therapist our faith uh you know my mom came into town it was it was just a wild time and then when i did get pregnant with kj we got pregnant immediately after we were cleared to start so 6 months later and i'm not going to lie the first cuz really to me i didn't feel comfortable until after the 18 week mark because they did a they do the spina bifida test then mm-hmm. um uh, it was i cannot say i enjoyed it <laughs> it was the very- 18 week mark so you didn't let yourself like really believe it was happening until well into your second trimester yeah and we did not tell anybody aside from family and very close friends until i was like 22 or 23 weeks cuz you know the longer oh you go along the the high, you know the more likely you are it's just going to be a good i mean yeah your chances go down right but- right my goodness, Sarah. It was brutal. Anyway, I don't want to discourage women. From so pregnant. are you ready to try again? <laughs> I don't want to discourage women. Uh, all I can say is the best advice, uh, and I had awesome OBGYNs. They were like, you definitely, you need to talk about it. You need to keep talking about it because when you do get pregnant, you you don't want to be carrying this grief and anxiety. And of course you carry a little mm-hmm. of it, but you don't want to be carrying that. Like it still makes me emotional now, but- you know, you want to have a healthy pregnancy and, you know, think positive thoughts. So it was, yeah, it was really hard. I'm not going to lie. 
It was brutal. I mean, I remember the one one piece, I mean, in my story is nowhere near what happened to you. But I, I remember when I was the one person I talked to was my mom, of course, because I talked to her for everything. And, uh, you know, I was doing the whole why thing. Like, I don't understand why, mom. Why did this even happen? Why did I even get pregnant if it was just going to be taken away? Like, and I, for some reason, the one piece of advice she gave me that made a difference for me because she told me her own miscarriage story that she went through. And I don't think she'd mind me telling the story. She was really young. You know, I think she was, you know, maybe 18 or so. And she was pregnant. And then she went into, I think it was like the bathroom at work. She worked at like a department store and was having a miscarriage and didn't tell anybody, like went through it all by herself, just wadded up a bunch of toilet paper. And like, I remember yeah. I mean, this the story that she told was just, I can't believe you went through all that completely by yourself, mom. But so it, my point was when she was giving me advice, I really took it seriously because I know she had been through it. And she was like, you know, it's just, it's as simple as it's your body's way of saying something isn't developing, right? Totally. You know, there is yeah. something wrong here. So it's your body's way of resetting because otherwise you can drive yourself mad with the, with the whys. What did I do wrong? I remember we had gone jet skiing right before this happened. And I was like, oh my God, did I cause a miscarriage from going jet skiing? Mm. She's like, no, it's just your body's way of resetting of saying this yeah. isn't a pregnancy that you would want to carry to term yes it's true that, that that made me feel a little better that you know it wouldn't have ended well if that that particular cluster of cells had continued to develop so i feel man. the same way yeah it's it's it is so hard and mine is extreme so so don't be discouraged most of the time that never happens, but it was crazy. All right, quick pause to thank some of our sponsors. So Dana Witten, we've told you about Dana. She was on last week's podcast with Natasha and me. She's a top family law attorney. If you are going through a custody battle, alimony, or you're thinking about getting divorced, my girl Dana is the woman to call. dwittenlaw.com. And right now for a limited time, Dana is offering a 60-minute consultation. I, I love this because Natasha had said last episode, if only she had had an option like Dana to run everything by her. Uh, Dana is offering that 60-minute consultation for just $150 when it's normally $300. dwittenlaw.com is the website. You can also check out everything about Dana. Dana is a super attorney or super lawyer, I should say. And she's also been named by Bethesda Magazine as one of DC's top attorneys. So go to dwittenlaw.com. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavor. Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their conception for her and conception for him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. 
Conception for her fertility aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. You're going to love it, and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon, or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code Fraser 20. That's F R A S E R. The number's two zero. 10 years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you. Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right. You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I feel like I'm going to have to get a collar-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani podcast. Enjoy. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. 
Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Also, Horizon Fibroids, guys, I love Dr. Will Neem. He's amazing. You know, he's been a longtime sponsor of TSFS. If you have fibroids, oh, don't head into the new year with long periods, heavy periods, bloating. 80% of women will be impacted by fibroids, and they can be awful if you're trying to get pregnant as well. The scariest part about fibroids is lots of times if they're recurring, your OBGYN, and of course, we all love our OBs. Uh, may recommend a hysterectomy, which is a radical step. Go see Dr. Will, who accepts almost all insurance. You can actually get, you can find out insurance right on his website, which is horizonfibroids.com. You can also sign up for a consultation. Go to horizonfibroids.com. He is known for uterine fibroid embolization, a procedure that is safe and been around for 20 plus years and is a low downtime surgical procedure. Go to horizonfibroids.com. All right. We have so many questions okay. to get to. So, okay, let's move. We'll, we'll move on. Um, all right. Let's move on to the, the, the positive, the getting positive pregnant, because I have some tips for you okay. and for all the women out there, tips that were given to me that have worked every single time I've gotten pregnant. All right. Well, every tell single me, time. I cannot wait to hear these because women love to hear this. Um, I'm trying to think. I didn't, I did acupuncture. That was the big thing and just ate healthy. And Dan mm-hmm. was a vegetarian. That was like all we really did. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if that's doing it. That was it. No meat. Yeah, no meat. Uh, tell me your tips for getting pregnant. Now, here's my tips. And I say this with the, because I can't, I, I got pregnant very easily with, with all three of my kids, you know, pretty much on, actually, yeah, on the first try with, with all of my pregnancies. And I can't imagine what it's like for women that struggle with infertility, with trying every single month and the disappointment and getting your period every month, you know, wanting nothing more than that. So when I when I give out this advice, it's not lost on me that it's not that easy for everybody, that it's extremely hard for a lot of women. Um, but here's what here's what this was my method that I used that worked. And, and you know, I wonder sometimes I'm like, now that I'm I was a lot younger, even when I had Harry. You know, I was 37, 38. Okay. Um, and I wonder now if it would still work, but here it is. So what I did was, I, you remember the book that I sent you? It's yes. called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Yes. It's an old book. I think she wrote it in like the 70s or something. I and just it's a ordered it. book. It, Tony yes. Wishler, I just ordered it. And I emailed her to be on our show and she said, <laughs> Uh, Natasha and Sarah, I would love to, but after 30 years in this space, I'm no longer in this space. I don't want to be in this space. I wish you all the best. Hope you understand. She she's done. She's she's got yeah, enough. Women her reply pregnant. was so funny. She's like, I'm done. I'm done getting women knocked up. Yeah. But I'm telling you, her book 
worked. A girlfriend of mine, that my best friend in college, Brooke, she's the one that sent it to me after it worked for her. She's used it for all of her pregnancies. Every girlfriend I've told about this has gotten pregnant using it. So basically what her book is about, she talks about, you know, with if you're waiting on an ovulation test, and I was telling you this the other day, lots of times it can be too late because you've already ovulated by the time it tells you that you're ovulating. This more focuses on like the week before you ovulate. So what she has you do, and I recommend I did this with getting pregnant with Harry is downloading an app like um, that tracks your, not just your cycle, but because you can put in like your temperature every day. Do you have one? Yep. You're pulling out your phone. I use Ovia Health. I don't know. I just like the layout, but everybody has a different one. There's so many that people like. There's so many. Yes. But does that one track changes in your cervical fluid? Yes. You ha- There's a little option here, cervical fluid, and you have to write, is it like egg white, water, uh, school yep. glue, none? Does it say school glue? Yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I'll never look at school glue the same way again. That's one of the options. But basically, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about the cervical fluid, because basically what happens is in the weeks before you get your period, as you go through your cycle, your cervical fluid changes. And the reason cervical fluid is important is because it's what sperm need to live in. So if you don't have very good cervical fluid, which the one you're looking for is called the egg white creamy, okay. basically you have to check every day. You have to check your vagina every single day and, and, and see what it's like. Okay. Sometimes when you wipe, you <laughs> see it, but would you do like the finger insertion? Yeah. Would you like- Yes. Yeah. yeah Full you, on. You, you, I mean- yeah, You just have to stick your finger in and- yeah. Come on. Yeah. At this point, uh, I mean, obviously you're trying to have a kid, so other things are going in there, so- What's a finger? A finger is fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fine. Oh my God. <laughs> so you're checking it every day and it's going, you'll see that it's going to change. And if it's not changing, this is a good indication that you need to see your doctor because you might not be ovulating. So let's go for right after your period is done. It should be um, kind of just like dry and almost non-existent. And then as the weeks progress, it'll change to, oh my gosh, I have to remember it all now. Then it's going to change to a lotion-y texture, which I guess maybe is school glue. I'm not sure, but it'll change to lotion-y. Then what you're looking for and what this book is all about, and there are graphic pictures, is you're looking for the egg white creamy. And in the book, I'll never forget, and she has photos of this, but if you can stretch it in your fingers, like almost like, like I'm picturing like slime, um, like Ghostbusters slime, if you can stretch it a couple of inches, that is the money stuff. That is when you should have sex because the sperm can live in really good cervical fluid three to four days. So basically that gives you a window of when you know you're about to ovulate that you should be having sex because even if you don't ovulate for three more days, if you started to get that fluid, the sperm can live in there. They can set up camp and be happy and wait for the egg, egg to drop. Yes. I just ordered the book, so I can't wait to yeah. find out. And um, Are you checking? Do you check? I am. And then I was telling you this when you and I were kind of trading notes about this episode, but I also am a big believer. <laughs> 
I, I, I'm a huge advocate for my own health. And I, mm-hmm. listen, I, I get the best, best doctors I can. And I take their advice because obviously they do it every day. So I probably several months ago, I went to an OBGYN here that was recommended. She was highly recommended. I, I just she wasn't for me. I just didn't love her. I didn't love the office. It wasn't very clean. It, she was not like, I I don't know. I, this is, this is my own neuroses, but there's people in certain fields that I think really need to look like they have it together. Like I like a clean doctor. I think a clean doctor to me is like a good sign. You know, you need to care about, you don't have to be attractive. I'm just talking about like clean office, clean presentation, like, that means something. To I me. would think that's a given. Yeah, but have you to not have like a dirty doctor? Uh, yeah, I oh have been God. to a doctor's office before where it's just like grimy, like you know they don't have cleaning service and that to me is all. So I didn't love her, and she was very lax in her approach. She's like, "You're gonna try for six months," and I'm like, "I." This is just me. I'm like, I'm 40. I'm I'm not waiting six months. Like, if this isn't happening in two or three months, like, we're doing all the tests. So I ended up switching doctors. I really like, I've never had an, a guy out OBGYN. This is the first time male OBGYN. He came. You know, that's so funny. I was talking, and sorry, I'm interrupting no, you, but I was talking with Sophie in the car the other day. And she said to me, she's like, wait, guys can be like women doctors, like OBGYNs. I was like, yeah, so like, of course. And you could see her in the background. She was shocked. She's like, why would a man ever want to be that? Like, is is he like a pervert? Is there, and I was like, you know, I actually don't know why a man would choose that as his specialty in med school, (laughs) but I've had male OBGYNs. I guess at that point, I didn't think twice about it, but that's so funny. So this was your first guy. Yeah. And of course, you know, probably our, your, your mom's younger than my mom, but I mean, I think back in the day, all the doctors were men for the most part. So they all had male OBGs. So I really like him. And he's very, uh, he's just very like aggressive in it. So he's basically like, look, you can do all those cervical tracking, but ultimately if we do a, if we do an ultrasound every day or every other day where we think you're, um, ovulating, we're going to know exactly when the egg drops. So I'm like, dude, I'm in. So he's been running all the tests. I go for, um, a sonogram. Does your insurance cover that ultrasounds every day? No, it's they're not doing them every day, but it's every. I gonna, it's every oh, couple I was like, that's got to be no. so expensive. Um, I, I have great insurance, and they there was only one test they did. They did the fallopian tube test the other day that didn't was not covered mm-hmm. by insurance, and that was six hundred out of pocket, um, which I don't really love because I do have good insurance. And California is crazy, mm-hmm. by the way. Everybody here is concierge medicine. It's. Like the pe- people are wealthy here Ugh. on a level I cannot even like the OBG I wanted to go see is Kylie Jenner's. So I-, I was not getting into him because they sent me an email and they said, we'd love to have you as a client. Here is tw- your $25,000 plan that you're going to pay out of pocket and your insurance will reimburse 60%. And here's all the stuff that you have to, I was just like, no, I'm, this is, you're my last resort. I'm sorry if I, you're my last, <laughs> I know you're Kylie's, but no. So I, you know, I don't know. We'll see how the mix of science and everything else I'm doing acupuncture, you know, I, I tend to think maybe I'm just missing my, I'm not, I'm missing my ovulation window, hopefully that might yeah so hopefully the sonogram that's why like i'm yeah and i'm all about the cervical flow because it's your body's way of telling you i'm about to ovulate yeah yeah exactly so So, i'm a big proponent in get the best doctor you can too i like mixing you know 
um, natural medicine and science medicine. I'm a big and and I like trusting. I like trusting like this OBGYN has been doing it for 30 years. And the other great advice my OBs in Virginia gave me is like always align with a teaching hospital and a teaching OBGYN mm. because they have to stay up on the latest science. If you go to an old school OBGYN that's not associated with a teaching hospital and mine guy is, then they don't have to, they can be practicing. I mean, they're, they're licensed and they're fine probably most of the time, but um, they're right. not being integrated with the latest science. So that's my two cents on getting pregnant. Let me ask you this. Do you have a, um, do you have a cutoff age where, cause I'm one of, you know, I'm 42 now and I mean, I'm done. I'm, I'm done having babies at least out of my own body. I'd love to maybe adopt one day, but what, like, do you have a number that at that point you're like, it's, I'm too old for this. My eggs are too old. That's a great question. Uh, I haven't thought about it. I haven't thought about it. Um, you still have a few years. My OBGYNs in Virginia, and of course I gave birth to KJ when I was 39, were like, oh, you're a candidate to have two more kids. And I was like, I am? What? I don't know, ladies. I'm like, I, if I can have one more healthy baby, I'll, I will be elated. So we'll see. But I, I do remember my doctor telling me something similar when I was pregnant with Harry because I was 39 when I was pregnant with him. And I was concerned about that I was getting older. You know, I had the girls and when I was 28 and 30. And he was like, oh, please. He's like, I delivered a 50-year-old woman the other day. He's like, you're actually on the younger end of the average age of women that I deliver nowadays. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing, but... Um, no, it's the same way. And my OBGYNs in Virginia, by the way, and if you're looking for, I, this is not an endorsement. I just love them both. But um, Dr. Kelly Orzakowski, unbelievable maternal fetal medicine. Again, you only need to see her if you're high risk over 35. And then um, Dr. Ingrid Winterling, like most amazing OBGYN. I had her for 10 years. They were like, I mean, they would call me. They would, you know, come to the hospital, make house calls. I mean, they were just, un they never came to my house, but they- are just above and beyond, beyond, beyond. I can't recommend them enough. Um, and the other book that I loved is Emily Oster's Expecting Better. I don't know if you've read that, but- No, I don't know that one. It's an awesome book that looks at all the science and all the myths that we're told about having a baby. And she says, she does the whole research and basically you have a 60% chance of getting pregnant naturally 40 and to four, like I think it's from age 40 to 44. I mean, 60% odds are really high. That's and and having, that is high. Yes. So you know, the, more women than ever of all ages are having babies, and it's awesome. But I do, I do think that we're coming to a point. I think we are starting to talk to women. Like, you know, there is a cutoff. Like, have that baby. You know, I mean, it's and it's hard if you don't have the right partner. I know there's a lot of factors, but. Well, I think it's interesting too. I think we're seeing, I think, I think it's starting to change some, you know, the last decade or so, it was very much women focusing on your career and, you know, putting off having babies and like how both of us that was experienced. Me. There were lots of other, you know, our doctors are telling us most of the women are in their forties that are having babies now, but I mean, it's just physical, physiologically, biologically true that it is harder the older you get. You know, our bodies are at their most fertile in our 20s. And I saw an interesting piece on the news the other day about how now it's starting to change and women 
this next generation are trying sooner or trying in their 20s or at least their early 30s because there's I mean, they're just finding that it is harder to get pregnant the older you get. There's not only all the risks go way up for, you know, Down syndrome and everything else, but it's just plain harder, which is sad because it basically means our bodies see no purpose anymore and are like, eh, just start to wither (laughs) off. It's hard. And I think it's the greatest message you can give women. Like when you're younger, freeze your eggs, have the baby young, because I I have a girlfriend Mm -hmm. going through, I mean, she's been trying for two years and it's just now she's entering IVF. And I have another girlfriend who's done nine rounds of IVF. Um, I have another girlfriend who's now pregnant with twins at 45 years old. um, Wow. Had an egg donor. You know, I mean, it's, It's possible, but oh my God, it's a long journey for a lot of women. So, um, yeah, I mean, you really have to. I mean, you can't you can't can't put it off forever. Yeah, you You can't can't. put it off forever. Maybe you can put off your career a little longer, but you're. I mean, biologically, you just. Oh my God, there is a time, and I'm a big believer. Yeah, go ahead. No, go okay. Um, I was just going to say before we like wrap things up, I did have one other trick. Yes. That worked. And it's for, and I, this could be totally bogus. I may get a hundred DMs like yelling at me that this is completely false, but it did work with each of my kids. And that was um, determining the sex of the baby. Huh. Have you heard any like no. tricks for how you can determine the sex of the baby? Um, no, tell me, tell me. Because I, and had my- it was my mom that told me this and it worked for her. And, you know, she's got four of us around. So, all right, basically, let's see. I hope I can explain it right. Basically, the male sperm swim faster but die sooner. And the sperm like that would make a female, that would make a girl are slower, but live longer. So here's how that works. Basically, you know, like I was telling you, once you start seeing the cervical fluid changing, for me, that usually started to happen that it would change to like the egg white stretchy, maybe three days um, before I would actually ovulate. Okay. So if you had sex on that first day, that is three or four days from when you ovulate, the female sperm are going to be the only ones that are still left swimming around when the egg actually drops because the male ones, they may get there faster, but if the egg isn't there yet, then they'll die off. The female ones get there slower. So basically with the girls, oh my God, they're going to be so embarrassed with the (laughs) girls, you know, Peter and I would have sex. (laughs) Yeah. Like three days. They they have earbuds in. Um, Yeah, like three or four days before I would ovulate. And when I got pregnant with Harry, I remember I thought that we had missed the window because he was leaving on like a business trip. And I was like, ah, we we missed it for this month because it wasn't, I thought I had already ovulated. Like the cervical fluid was starting to change again, like going away from the egg white. But it had to have been like the day I ovulated or the day after and got a boy. So I don't know. I don't know if it's junk science or not, but it worked with all mine. It worked with my girlfriend and all of hers and it worked with my mom and all of hers. Um, Okay. I have two last questions for you. Um, Tell me like, what was a myth about getting, like, what was a myth about pregnancy that, because, because I do feel like we are like, I don't know. I I feel like people are, my thing is people are very negative. I think about like, you always hear everyone's horror stories and you don't hear people's joy my pregnancy was very easy like 
I didn't have gestational diabetes. I had no, I like, I loved it. Once I got over the 18 mark, like it was awesome. Mm -hmm. I never even had food cravings. That was a myth for me. Again, every woman is different, but I never really craved. I craved like oatmeal. It was like really boring. Oh my gosh, I hate you. I I crave double cheeseburgers and you craved oatmeal. Yeah. And the other (laughs) myth is like gaining all this weight. Did you, did your OBGs tell you mine was like, don't gain more than like 30 pounds. That's it. Like, no. And I remember with Sam, you know, my first one, I went crazy. Like I'm eating for two. I can have whatever I want. I used to get up in the morning and make like I craved breakfast. So I'd make a big skillet, like a greasy skillet with fried eggs and potatoes and melted cheese and bacon. And I would eat that every morning. I gained 40 something pounds with her. And, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty tiny person. So that was a lot on me. And I had such a hard time losing the weight. So then with I didn't make that mistake again. I just stayed like normal with Sophia and Harry. But I was sick most of my pregnancies. I didn't have oh. fun pregnancies. So it wasn't as hard to. Oh, wow. I didn't do the whole like glowing. This is I'm a female goddess. This is the best I've ever felt in my life. It was miserable with all of mine. Ah, oh. I liked it better after they were born. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So that, all right. That was, that was my, yeah. um, yeah. I wondered if there were any myths that you know, would... the only, the only other myth that I, I mean, it's kind of a, the reverse of what we're saying, but I just remember, you know, before like trying to have kids like doing college and stuff, always being worried, like, oh my gosh, am I pregnant? Like, you know, we right. maybe didn't use protection or we're pulling out or whatever. Like I could be pregnant and it turns out it's a lot harder than I realized to get pregnant. Right? It's <laughs> so a real window. Like, all those times that I swore like, that's it. I could be. It's just ridiculous. I know. Not to say don't have safe sex. Obviously have safe sex, but turns out it was harder than I thought it was. And then how was your giving birth? Like, did you have a doula? This is the final question. Did you have a doula? What was your birth? And oh like, my gosh. Did you do a birth plan? I tried, but it went awry. Sophie is the only one that my plan went according. So with, I'm telling you, I didn't have very great pregnancies. With Sam, I had um, preeclampsia where you get really high blood pressure because of the baby. So had to do, well, this in hindsight, I ended up switching doctors because I wish he would have just induced me. But I think he was just in a rush and I was calling the office like every day, first time mom worried. And I think he was just sick of me. So he went ahead and just said, come in, we'll do a C-section, which I wish I would have waited and maybe calmed down a little because the recovery from the C-section was brutal. And, you know, you just I pictured the whole, you know, pushing, you know, with my partner and then the baby comes out and you put it on your chest. And I just was always looking forward to that and actually like I grieved that experience. Really? When Sam was born having a C-section, oh, I did. I loved the C-section. I really <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Hell yes." And I was a little nervous, so they were like, "Do you want a little laughing gas?" I was like, "I would love some." And it was heaven. It was awesome. That's so funny. They yeah, I hear a lot of women so say great. that, but I I hated that. Like I and, and you know, I had postpartum depression too, so maybe that was throwing things off. But I was so adamant about not doing it again that when I had Sophie, I made I interviewed different OBs. I found one that would let me do a VBAC, wow, you know, vaginal birth yes. after cesarean. I hired a doula because I wanted to do it all naturally. I was like, nothing is going to rob me of this birth experience that this fantasy I had in my head. 
Um, the doula ended up being an absolute waste of money. She just annoyed me. Like we weren't a good fit. And I, I actually, it ended up like Peter, you know, obviously was there with me and he put on music and stuff. And I was like, she's driving me crazy. Just like we gave her the video camera and we were like, you take pictures, just stand in the corner and take pictures. Don't help me at all. That was a waste, but I did have the V back and, you know, it was just, it was so easy, Sarah. Like we had the dim lighting and it was just intimate with us in the room. And Peter had, you know, a soundtrack that he played on the iPod and she just, it was, I had some pushes and she came out and had her right there. Shut up. Did you have an epidural? Oh yeah. I tried doing it naturally and my water broke. Oh no, it was, I was having contractions. We went in, but I was only like three or four centimeters dilated. And I was all like, I'm having natural childbirth. Like I did the hypnosis CDs leading up to it. Oh, you're brave. I did it all. So they're like, all right, we're, you're not really progressing. So we're going to break your water and I'll never forget. She said, we're going to give you a whiff of Pitocin, you know, the drug that causes contractions that they give you to induce labor. She's like a whiff. I don't know what the hell her definition of a whiff is, but as soon as they did that and they broke my water, those contractions came on so hard. It was like out of a movie. I was that woman (laughs) that was like grabbing Peter's arm, ripping arm hair off of him, cursing every curse word I could think of. I was like, I want the effing epidural now. And um, I remember like the look on his face. He was scared of me. And they, I was like, get the anesthesiologist now to come down to the epidural. And they were like, ma'am, she's going in to like do a C-section. You're going to have to wait a <laughs> I know, couple hours. I know they're always busy. Yeah. Yeah. They're always busy. I always well, I lost my mind. I act, I, it is so embarrassing. The fool that I acted like is like, no, she needs to come now. Like I just completely had a meltdown. So she came down and gave a quick epidural and then left. But after that, it was lovely. Ah! It was just the most pleasant time I've ever had. Oh my God. Um, Okay. Well, hopefully I I don't know. I don't know if this episode has inspired women to get pregnant or (laughs) or not. Oh my gosh. Well, I won't tell you my hairy story then. That might scare you off of. No. So you remember when you said like, you know what a hemorrhage feels like, like a faucet turning on? I was, I was only, it was the day I turned 35 weeks with Harry and I woke up in the middle of the night thinking my water had broken and it was actually a a hemorrhage that the placenta had torn away, a placental abruption. Yeah. So woke up, it looked like a murder scene. Like there was blood everywhere. We rushed to the hospital, like the emergency C-section where they just, you know, all, they all come running in the birthing room all of a sudden and whisk you away. Yeah. So I'm really thankful to Sophie that she gave me such a lovely birthing experience because my other two rat children gave me horrible ones. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) oh my God, hopefully your birthing experience is much better. Well, mine, mine was, my, my was great. So I can't, I can't say anything. Um, Would you ever do a VBAC or you just like set on another C-section nice and easy? Uh, I'd probably have to be convinced. I don't know. They'd have to tell me. What's your hesitation about, um, I don't know. I mean, mine was just so easy. I, I don't know. I hear all kinds of stories because, you know, the problem is, uh, look, this is just my controlling way, but you know, I like you form this relationship with your OBGYN, right? And they all keep hospital hours and you know, your, your labor can be 
five, you know, it can be two hours, it can be 20 minutes, it can be two days, you know, and your OB is only there for that 10 hour shift or whatever. So it's like, to me, I, I hate the idea of you do all this. I'm sure somebody else is very competent, but you kind of, you know, your OBGYN takes you on this journey, you know, to have this beautiful human. And it's very important for me, like, to trust that person if something is going wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the person that's seen me through this, that I've had all these conversations with, that know me, that know my husband. I like the idea of this is when... We're so basically, it. it's a control thing that you can plan it. You can have the person you want. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> schedule I, it in your planner. I don't know. I, I'm very big on trusting somebody. Like I, to me in life, like I would rather pay somebody a, a, a higher amount of money that I really trust and I know is very, very good because then it's like that's just one thing off the mind. Like, and to me, when you're giving birth, like all you care about is you're healthy, the baby's healthy. I don't give a fuck about this. Like oh my God, I want this like experience of, and so I think it is very empowering for a lot of women. I just, to me, that's Mm -hmm. not important at all. Like I did not care. Like, I don't feel like I missed anything having a scheduled CSA. It was glorious. And like, they were like, (laughs) we put the music on too. And they were like, you seem a little nervous. You want this laughing gas? I was like, hell yes. They put that thing on. They never offered me that. What? It was the best. But you know, I look, I'm a special case because they knew how much I went through. So I think I was going to say, I think they really candled it with kid glove. Like it was because I think they knew like it was such a rare thing to happen and we'd been through so much grief. I think they were also like, we're going to, let's just get this all good, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was, it was awesome. Like it was awesome. So I I was going to say, I was going to give you like a harder time about it, but just because, you know, there are some, there's a higher risk with the C-section, you know, totally. you're, there's more likely to have like a hole in the baby's heart because it gets squeezed through the birth canal and that doesn't happen. Fluid in their lungs, they have a harder time breastfeeding. There's all sorts of stuff. But when I think about everything that you went through with your first pregnancy, Sarah, the, it is beyond understanding that you would want to be able to have a situation you can control as much possible because so much was out of your control the first time around. Yeah. I think it's totally understandable that that and would make you feel safe. KJ was also a nine pounder with like a big head and he never had dropped. So they were like, they, that's a big baby. Yeah. And they did say, we want you to have him naturally initially until week 39. And they, they took him basically the 39 week. Cause they were like, look, he's not dropping. He's probably not going to drop till week 41, you know, maybe, and we don't want you to go that late. Like, so they were like, you know, we're, we can induce you, but he hasn't dropped. He doesn't really want to come out. So you're probably going to labor for a day or two. And then we're going to give you a C-section anyway. So, you know, so they did, they did try to encourage me to have him naturally. And I'm sure I could have, if I really like stuck to my guns, but I just, no, I didn't care. And this one, I don't know. I think, I think they're big VBAC people at this, at this um, practice too, but we'll see. I, I like, like, my guy says, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll, we'll just, just relax and let's get, let's get, have a healthy baby going and then we'll, we'll figure yeah. that out. So anyway. let's get you pregnant first and then, then I'll have plenty of time to talk you into it. Exactly. Um, all right, Natasha, obviously people can find you. They can watch these videos where? Yes. Um, all the videos are up on my YouTube channel. Um, at Miss Pink Monster underscore because some rat lady out there stole at Miss Pink Monster on YouTube. So at Miss Pink Monster underscore, you can always find me on Instagram at Miss Pink Monster. And I love hearing from everybody. So 
send me a line. Let's chit chat. Stay tuned. Um, This was fun. Love you. This was so good. Oh my God. This was a good one. The the pregnancy chat. Okay. Bye, gorgeous. Me too. Bye.